CavsCorner.com. Podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin State's in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, June the 24th. It's the weirdest. Uh, I was thinking about it today because it was hot, um, and it's going to be, I guess, hot. And I was thinking how this is easily the weirdest summer because it feels not like summer, even though it's hot. It feels like it's just the extension of the longest uh, spring of my entire existence. Um, and I'm sure that there are a lot of people out there uh, who feel that way. We talked a lot last week about, um, you know, football season coming back and such and such. There's been um, some some different, um, I guess you could call them developments in the world of sports related to the coronavirus. We're not going to dive into that tonight. We will check back in on that when there is more, um, I don't know, I don't want to call it, say information, maybe more definitive uh, information. So we will we will check back on that. For now, we're going to roll with the assumption that football is played and it is some semblance of uh, normalcy. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna dive into um, offense and quarterback battles and things like that. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. We'll go up to Fishersville where David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, dude? It's going, you know, treading water. Twenty twenty motto. Um, doing doing what I can. Who Dave's on the board? At Who Dave's on Twitter. And up in Jesus, I forgot again. Um, Arlington. Mm-hmm. Woo! I, I, you think at some point I get this down? I it's promise. It's been a month, just, dude. I, you would, I, but here's the thing: you would think that this is a shtick. It's not. I legitimately can't remember. I literally start to say the word and second guess myself every time. It's it's eh, it's a right. sickness. It's okay. Um, Justin Ferber's on the program. How's it going, dude? It's well. It's well. Um, that's well kind of your dramatically incorrect, isn't it? Um, <laughs> That's the first time I've ever said that. Um, I said a few weeks ago that we were going to highlight some organizations that do good in the community. Um, and I have one for today. It's the Charlottesville Area Community Foundation. Um, you may know them as the people who organized the concert for Charlottesville a couple years ago. Um, they also do a lot of good COVID work right now. Um, I think they've raised more than $5 million for COVID relief in the Charlottesville area. So if you're interested in giving to them or learning more about what they do and their other causes, cause they have a bunch of others, uh, CACFonline.org. And I am on Twitter at Justin underscore Ferber. Thank you very much for that. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, uh, and the occasional witty banter. Um, if there are, if there is no season, I guess I gotta stop saying in-game updates. Um, all right, let's let's dive in. So f- if folks haven't had a chance to yet, I want you to pause the podcast. I want you to go to CavsCorner.com. I want you to click. Uh, well, you should click on all the links and you should subscribe. Unless but, unless uh, you're driving. Yeah, if you're in, yeah, if you're driving, pull over and then go to CavsCorner.com. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Um, but we, what I want to f- uh, point your attention to specifically are Ferber's uh, film room uh, pieces on first the um, the strengths and weaknesses and the way that um, both Brendan Armstrong and uh, Keaton Thompson play the game, um, and then also the one we ran yesterday, which was uh, focused on quarterback runs and how Robert and I uses those in Virginia's offense. The reason I, I want to do this is I want to talk. I, I, listen, we, we have not had an actual quarterback competition, so everything we're about to say is um, is pre, is basically preseason talk. So I mean, if one of them comes out there and just blows it away, I mean, look, nothing we say um, is is going to change that. But I do think it's an interesting discussion to have because Virginia does have two interesting pieces but also two different pieces at quarterback in a way that they just haven't the past couple seasons. Like I think 
maybe the first Ben Kurt year, you could say that there was a real battle. Um, but there was, I mean, for all intents and purposes, everybody knew he was the dude with the arm. He was, he was brought there to be the guy. Um, the same kind of said for Bryce Perkins, like he certainly didn't show up, uh, you know, as some sort of like, Hey, I'm going to be QB one kind of dude. He just went out there and went to work and it was clear. Um, so they haven't had a real quarterback competition in a while. Um, and so it, for me personally, I'm actually really interested to see this staff at this point in the program's growth and development to have that battle, to have a genuine battle. I think most of us expected, you know, uh, the end of last season going into offseason workouts that, you know, it was going to be Armstrong's job, and that might still be the case. Ferber, I want to start with you, and I want to I want to ask a really simple question. All right, which is, you you made a point at the uh, at your in your final thoughts to basically say like that Armstrong should be seen as the odds-on sort of favorite to win the job. He's the most likely. In, in a variety of ways. Um, but I got the sense from both reading your um, your analysis and then also sort of your takeaways that um, that you think there's a, uh, a lot of upside to Thompson that I don't know if a lot of people have gotten to the place of understanding. And I, and I want to ask the question simply, how do you think Virginia should use Thompson this coming season? That's a good way to, to phrase it. Um, honestly, I think that comes down to whether this staff believes in playing two quarterbacks at the same time. Um, we haven't seen them do that, really, uh, and except for that one weird tech game that has burned into Brad's brain forever. I don't rem- no, I, uh, no I, I have no I, no recollection of this at all. And they actually and refuse to talk about it. in that game somehow. Ugh. Um, but, yeah, other than that one, I, I can't remember them really doing it, except for, you know, when somebody got spelled for injury or just at the end of a game. Um, and then the odd... Brandon Armstrong play where they were in on the same play or whatever. Um, I think if, if they're comfortable with Armstrong being the starter, you could still roll out some running packages for Thompson. Um, especially I think around the goal line where I think he could be really useful. He's, he was really good at Mississippi state in short yardage runs, um, goal line stuff. I think he had at least three goal line touchdowns in his three consecutive starts um, from twenty the end of 2017 to the beginning of 2018. So, I, I mean, I think he's an asset in that area. Um, and taking a more cynical approach, I mean, if you give him those carries, assuming that he's at least as good as Brennan Armstrong in that area, which I think he is, um, that's hits that Brennan Armstrong wouldn't have to take <laughs> as a starter. Um so I think that could help you. I think it really comes down to like what they see as far as um, the differences between the two. I mean, if they feel like um, one quarterback, like I, I think it would be kind of weird if Thompson was a starter to use Brennan Armstrong at like as a kind of a gadget player. Like I don't really see that happening. Um, but assuming Armstrong wins the job, I think there are some running elements that Thompson brings that. He's just a little bit more dynamic than Armstrong. Um, not that Armstrong's a bad runner, uh, but you know, you you mentioned at the top like this could be like a legit quarterback controversy or you know a, a battle at least in camp. And I didn't necessarily see it that way until I watched all of the the games. And then I kind of my eyes were a little bit opened on what Thompson can do, and and I think that he has a real shot to play. So. I think it's really going to come down to like if the coaches feel like they want to use him in special packages, if Armstrong's a starter or not, because otherwise it just comes down to who wins the job. 
Dave, you're somebody who um, <laughs> I, I just I was about to say you obsess over the small stuff, but that sounds that sounds mean, and that's not the way I meant it. You're someone who who relishes the details. How about that? Um, you're, but no, seriously though, you are you're a good gauge a lot of times for me in terms of like the things that I I'm not noticing, right? Like whether it's coronavirus mm. or whatever. Um, you you went through this and came away with what conclusion? Like, how did you, when, when, when you started kind of thinking about this, this question in your head, um, as you, as you went through, how do you feel about this quarterback battle that seems to be brewing? I mean, my first takeaway was like, just thinking about some of the quarterback battles we had to discuss seven, you know, five, six, seven years ago compared to this one. Um, it's pretty mind boggling and something I don't want to pass up a chance to give the staff credit for, you know, recognizing the importance of the position, recruiting it hard and getting guys who, you know, we, we talked about Ben Curtin, how, you know, before his knee injury, he probably was more of a fit, you know, more of a running passing quarterback than he ended up being. But, you know, going out and finding Perkins, recruiting Armstrong, you know, guys like Armstead on the roster, like they know what they want and they, and they go get it. Um, and it kind of, like, yeah, I saw a lot of the stuff, you know, as Justin was cutting the film and bouncing, bouncing plays and talking about it. Like, yeah, then subsequently me going to watch him play. Like, you've got two really gifted quarterbacks. Um, you know, college football isn't easy. So you never know, you never know who's going to materialize. But, you know, with this, with this offensive staff and, you know, coaching staff in general you have enough body of work now to understand like what they like to do. You know, what complimentary pieces they have. So it becomes a little easier to figure out, Hey, what does, what this guy do? Does what he do? <laughs> Let me learn to speak English right now, but does uh, what this guy can do fit what they want to do? And I think it's a resounding yes for both, both of them. Um, that's a really good position to be in. Like, I mean, I, I don't know that, Maybe it's just because of everything else going on there and the timing of everything. But Thompson is just like he's a really, really gifted dude. Now, whether he can beat out Brendan Armstrong initially, especially with, you know, the spring ball and a weird fall camp that's going to not be, even, you know, if and when it gets going, it's not going to be normal. Um, I think that gives Brendan in, inside track. But I, mean, I don't know if there's enough excitement about what. You know, about adding a player like Keaton Thompson to the roster. I mean, this dude is legitimately like 85th ranked player in his class. Um, you know, four star player with offers from some very big programs. And when you go watch him on film in those games he did play, like as with, you know, as Justin broke down, like the dude's got some tools. Um, now you can nitpick and, you know, be critical of completion percentage and all that stuff. But if you're talking about, you know, and Brennan and, Keaton, I know it's hard to extrapolate what they've done into an entire season, but they have more Division One snaps than their last two quarterbacks who were record breakers for the for the program did. So having both of them, you know, no matter which one ends up winning the job, ultimately, um, I think puts you in a very very nice position going into a season. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what both of them could do. I, I think Brennan is probably, you know, your leader in the clubhouse just because of his time in the program. Um, but as Justin was talking about, like with the, you know, gadget plays and stuff, like I 100% guarantee you they'll both be on the field at some point together multiple times during the year, 
even if it's just a decoy. That's just how the staff likes to do it. You know, when you go back and watch watch all the highlights of, of last year, you'll see like a random play that they don't do anything with show up like six games later with the same set. So it's definitely going to be there. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that's all I got to say about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to I want to gauge your your both of you I I, I want to ask this question too. Do we think that the that the virus, the lack of spring ball, the sort of way that everybody sort of checked out for a little while, how much do we think that that has impacted the excitement or lack thereof around Thompson? The reason I ask the question is because I think for a lot of people, it, it probably is to some degree because they haven't they haven't you know maybe until you know they watch these gifts you know they didn't see what you know, what was there, but also maybe too, you know, it's a kid from outside of the, the court, this, you know, quote unquote region. It's a kid who didn't play at a school that a lot of people probably saw, um, you know, so even if he was a rivals 100 kind of kid, he, he's a, not a known commodity, right? This is not Ronnie Walker transferring in. Right. Um, and so I, I wonder how much where that merger is between those two things, because I agree with you, like there's not a whole lot uh, out there. Um, now, frankly, I will say this, when I first heard his name and I went and I, I you know, f- did some research on him, it became abundantly clear to me that this is exactly the kind of guy you want in a battle with Brennan Armstrong in terms of strengths and weaknesses and what they bring to the table. Um, but I was actually, and I still remain a little bit surprised if people aren't, you know, kind of more on the Keaton Thompson bus. That being said, if they didn't have Keaton Thompson, I have no doubt that Brennan Armstrong would be a, a really solid quarterback. He'd be pretty good. Um, I watched a lot of that stuff that, that Ferber uh, sent over and I didn't come away thinking um, anything other than whichever way that this goes is going to be good for UVA. Like uh, it, you would love to have one of the guys definitively win the job, of course. Um, but there's not a wrong answer, right? They're different, you know, they're different solutions to the same problem. So do how do, Ferber, what would you say? Do you think that people are just not as tuned in or is it a function of they just don't know Thompson as well? They essentially they don't know that they're supposed to be excited. I think it's a few things. I think what you just said is a really good point that he hadn't really played in a while, so it's not like you're getting um, a guy that went out and threw for five thousand yards last year or something, right? Um, you're getting a guy that hasn't played in a while and hasn't played a ton. So I mean, there's not like a huge sample size. Um, and you know, I, I think that I mean, did any UVA people know who Bryce Perkins was? <laughs> like, that's a um, really good point. That's a really. Good I mean, point. UVA was picked last in the Coastal two years ago when he was the starter, like coming into that season. So it's not like expectations were through the roof. I know people were excited about his athleticism, and there was like a lot of positivity around him. But he also was there through, like you said, through spring practice and fall camp as the starter. So I mean, people had a pretty good idea of like what they were getting. Um, and there was no other option, right? I mean, I guess Lindell Stone was there, but he wasn't really viewed as like the mold of quarterback that they wanted to be the starter, especially after Bankert left. Um, I think I think part of it is just like a lack of knowledge about what he can do. Um, I think also, like you said, he kind of joined the program quietly. You know, there wasn't a lot of like smoke around his recruitment. It just kind of happened, um, which is probably how UVA wanted it. I also think that um, I think that people naturally expect things to go a certain way, and when there's some other option thrown in, they def- like they get excited about Brendan Armstrong because he's the next guy, right? 
And, you know, like Brendan Armstrong, like the coaches like him. It seems like he's going to be really good. Um, you know, I can't wait to see what he can do. And then it's like, well, there's also this other guy now who's coming in. So it's like, well, wait a second. Like, I've been told, like, how good he is. Like, you know, now you're trying to tell me that there's somebody else. Like, people just naturally get excited about the players that they expect to be playing. And then when someone else comes in, they're like, well, hey, hang on a second. Like, especially if that player is supposed to be really good, which, I, I mean, the the word we've heard on Armstrong has been pretty much all positive. So um, I think some of it is just like a – I think if, if – if UVA starts throwing up some highlights from, from fall camp and he's like lighting it up in the highlights, maybe you'll see people kind of come around a little bit. Um, now, that, that's not to say that there aren't any concerns about him. I mean, I, he was available for a reason, like <laughs> like any other transfer. But, I mean, I think now, looking back on what Perkins did over the last two years, it's easy for people to be like, well, obviously he he was good. Like we knew that, but it's like not really. I mean, he threw for seven touchdowns and eight picks his last year at JUCO. At JUCO, um, he was throwing for like 130 yards a game. So it's not like we knew he was gonna be like coming in and lighting it up, throwing the ball. Um, everybody knew he could run based on like the highlights that we had seen. But I mean, really, what there is of Thompson to view, it, there's more of Thompson than there is of Armstrong or Perkins or Bankert um, from like their game footage. So I think that. Uh, if you go back and look at what he did, he doesn't look like a guy that's like out of place. Um, he was a young player, and he hasn't played a lot since. Um, part of that was coaching change. Um, but I think that the excitement around Armstrong is kind of – everybody just assumed he'd be the guy, and then when there's another guy thrown in the mix, everybody's like, well, what about the other guy, right? So. Yeah, to play to play devil's advocate to what I was saying about you know the – uh, excitement for Thompson being less than like when Perkins came in, despite having more film. Like, you know, but that's the other, you know, that's the the outlier is there was no one waiting in the wings when Perkins came in. Like we had to replace Ben Kurt, so we needed right. They, they didn't have anybody else. They had to be yeah. excited about him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So and then Brennan, like you have to. Yeah, I don't want to like I I really like Brennan Armstrong a lot. Um, I mean, I don't. I would have settled if they hadn't found a really good grad transfer because i think there are some names that didn't fit the system as much but made sense as a you know a worst case backup that they were just kind of tied to during the process um thompson kind of came late out of nowhere um and boom it clearly he fits what they want to do with the dual threat guy a little better than some of the other names um, i remember from, the first time that his name came up you texted us and we're like yeah we can have we can take that guy <laughs> yeah exactly it took like 30 seconds to film he just fit it um but yeah i mean brennan like i don't i don't want to you know um shortchange brennan and not just what we what i've seen on tape and but clearly what the staff feels about him because you know they always talk about thorderbacks and Taysom hill right brennan armstrong is the first guy they've used like they use Taysom Hill. Like I know people want to say Bryce Perkins and Taysom, but they're doing a lot more what they do with Hill with Brennan, you know, as far as having them do, you know, he was punt protector. I mean, he, he's played, he's done some crazy stuff, which you wouldn't do for a guy they didn't believe in his toughness. Um, and, you know, assuming you're going to, you know, assuming this team is going to be more ground oriented than last year's, um, you know, toughness is a, definitely an attribute you want your quarterback to have i'm not saying thompson doesn't have it but we know the staff believes in armstrong stuffness so it's gonna be up to thompson to come in and show like you know 
Well, we know what's most important. He's got to come in and buy in. He's got to come in and buy into the culture, buy into the earned mentality. Because if he doesn't, he's not gonna, he's not going to sniff a chance to start anyway. Um, but assuming he does, because most you know, yeah, I think he's got talent that's going to be intriguing, and it's going to be hard to keep off the field at times. And like Justin said, like when you've got two guys, if you watch highlights of these guys, neither one of Brendan or or Keaton are afraid of contact. Um, and even if it's just a helmet flying off because they hit a guy, you're going to need the other guy to come in eventually. Um, so, I mean, I do expect to see both of them play. Um, and it's a good position to be in, you know. And, yeah, it, it definitely it definitely gives me a little more optimism that you've got a guy. You know, you wouldn't want to have the COVID stuff going on in the situation where you're bringing – two quarterbacks that don't have experience or one quarterback to lean on who doesn't have experience with the system. Like it's, if there was a year where it's nice for Virginia to have a carryover quarterback, this is a, this is the one. Yeah. I think just to, just to echo on what you just said real quick. Um, I don't think that them adding Thompson has anything to do with them thinking less of Brendan Armstrong. If that's what people think. Um, I think honestly, if you look, if Keaton Thompson's in the transfer portal and UVA has a starting quarterback, but they don't really have an established backup, it would be irresponsible not to take him. Like, he's he's that good. I mean, he's good enough to be like, if he's the guy that you have to play when Brennan Armstrong gets hurt, they're gonna be fine. <laughs> like, I can tell you that. Like, they can figure out a way to make it work. Um, now, I'm not saying he's going to be great or Bryce Perkins, but I think that if that's your backup, then that's a pretty good situation to be in. And UVA didn't have – I mean, their other option was either take Lindell Stone, who you know you can't run with, or you're starting like Ira Armstead, who, you know, is a freshman. So I don't think you want to do that. So I think them taking him was just a logical thing to do. That's why they were looking at other guys. And the way I said it in the pieces, I think I think it's great. I think what you just said is true. Like, it's kind of cool that they have one guy – that hasn't played a lot, but he knows the system in and out. And another guy who hasn't played a lot and doesn't know the system, but has a lot of talent. Um, so you can kind of see like how much does that system knowledge help um, and personnel knowledge. But then also, I look at it this way. If Brendan Armstrong's your starter and something happens to him, Keaton Thompson's talented enough to keep you afloat. If Keaton Thompson's your starter, then your backup is a guy that's been in the system for two and a half years, three years, and you're going to feel really comfortable putting him in the game. So, like, either way, I think you're in a better situation than UVA quarterback has been in in a long time as far as depth. Um, I mean, I guess you could say last year with Armstrong as the backup wasn't bad. Um, but, I mean, I think that they're on much more solid ground than they would have been, you know, a few years ago. I want to make uh, two points. One... I was thinking about this as Dave was talking. It, it I mentioned at the top that it, you know, I'm really curious to see how this plays out because we haven't seen this staff have a you know a real QB one battle. Um, but I, it's interesting. Bronco really put it out there. So listen, I, I think in the ACC you got to have two guys. You can't just have one guy. And so if there's anybody, I mean, I don't think Tony Bennett promises playing time, and I'm pretty sure Bronco Menhall doesn't either, right? In the conversations that Virginia had with with Thompson. Does anybody think that they were like, yeah, you can, you're, you're going to come in and be the starter? Like, no, he he understands. I'm betting he understands very clearly, right? What's in front of him, and if there ever was a situation or a coaching staff that you kind of felt like maybe you should trust in a situation like this, where you have a guy who seems like the you know the heir apparent, um, and then you bring in another highly rated guy, 
Um, it seems like this staff. Now, I'm trying to forget about whatever happened in Blacksburg that day um, because I – I think they were just trying to throw a knuckleball. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. I'm gonna, we're going to pretend that that didn't happen. But but everything we've seen from the managing quarterback – and again, Bronco has said several times you know, in calendar 2020, like we've got to get to ourselves to a place where we're recruiting quarterbacks and then we're playing those quarterbacks. We're not just living off transfers. But here's a situation where they went out and got another one, and that might be exactly what they need, considering, one, you you know, Armstrong is not a dude who shies away from contact. His style is such is, is a physical style. Two, you know, with COVID-19 and your understanding that if there is football, you're going to be, you know, tested and, you know, guys and, you know, whatever, whatever. So you need as many options as you can have. Um, my second point is, has Virginia had a quarterback battle that was this good since what? Schaub and Spinner. I mean, like realistically, yeah. when's a you know what I mean? Like how if you think about all of the different you know times this has happened, this is. I mean, listen. Either way this goes, Virginia's in good shape. Um, you know, there's no clear cut guy. You know, you could point to Armstrong and say, well, he's got the experience. You can point to Thompson and say, well, he's more dynamic. But but that's not a shot at either one. Like if you look at Armstrong's body of work, his his body, his, you know, his entire skill set. You're not thinking about Thompson thinking, man, he's really got to hurry up and be the guy because you don't want to start this other dude. Like they're they're both really solid options, and I think for Virginia to go out and get Thompson and bring him in, understanding that the culture is what it is, understanding that like you know he's going to have a very clear idea before he even was able to commit what he was getting himself into. Um, if it doesn't work out and Tom, and Armstrong ends up being the guy, um, you know what? That's that's the nature of competition. Um, <laughs> That's what we thought I, it was going to be anyway. <laughs> right, exactly. But do you see my point? Like, um, this is a really good battle. And, and I think not, if, if, if I walked away from film room with anything, it's like, dang, like both of these dudes are really perfect for this. Um, they both have a lot to, that they bring to the table. They might get it done in slightly different ways, but that's, that's not a bad thing, right? Um, especially considering – you know, Virginia coming off of the Perkins years and how dynamic he was, um, you know, it's tough to follow a legend, but these dudes seem pretty, you know, well-suited to fit this offense to try to get it done. My big question with them, and this is the thing I want to pose to you guys. So let's, Ferber essentially, you know, took a shot at answering this. I just kind of want to flesh it out a little bit. Our likely scenarios, right? So option A is Thompson's a guy, and option B is, 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 is Armstrong's a guy, right? However, that you know, we want to call which one of those A or B, whatever. My point is, is that like, what does it look like, right? So, if Armstrong's your guy, what do you want to see from the offense? If Thompson's your guy, what do you want to see from the offense? Uh, Ferber has kind of answered this. I'll, I'll come. I'll go to Dave first. Dave, if 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 Thompson's your guy, what do you think the what do you think nine company should do? And then if Armstrong's the guy, how is that different? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, this is based on very limited film review and jaded by hearing a lot of Ferber's opinions. Um, <laughs> no, <I'm> kidding. <laughs> I, I think with Britton, like he, Britton is a really, you know, and what I've seen of him, he's a very natural read option quarterback. So I think that becomes more of a part of the offense. If he's, a, if he's a QB. Um, and I think that, you know, even if he's not, you know, fully established as a passer early on, being able to bring that, you know, keep the running back as an option in the run game because your quarterback is very good at the read option will help this offense grow, especially as you break in new receivers. And with Thompson, like I think you probably see more initially, you'd probably see more of what we saw with Perkins with stuff to look to. There's some evidence he can run read option, but I don't think he's quite as natural at it as Armstrong. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm lean towards saying he's a little more natural at it than Perkins was, but again, small sample size. Um, so I, my guess is if if you've got if Thompson's up being the starter, it's almost it's more of last year's offense. You know, it's it's more stuff set up to look like option or you know more quarterback draws just because he's like his top end speed is faster than Armstrong. Um, I think he's a guy who can scare scare defenses take the top off with his legs and his arm. Um, so my, my guess is that's the big difference. Before Ferber goes and tells us the real answer. Um, <laughs> Cause he's at this point watched like, he's like the, he's like the encyclopedia here. Um, here's, here's my thought process on this. Okay. If you're, if you think about it, right. To me, Brennan would be perfect. If the wide receiver core was what Virginia had in 2019. Okay. If you tell me that he can be out there, regardless of what's happening with the run game, but with the same offensive line with Haas and Joe Reed and Jana, right? And even to some extent, Tanner Cowley, I feel exponentially good about Brennan Armstrong being my dude. Okay. I think that his ability to, to kind of get the ball out quick uh, and to hit the, um, hit the windows on the, on the, on the, on the outs, on the throws, is probably better than Perkins's. And I think they'd have to do a lot less improvisation. I think you'd see a lot of, um, you know, a lot of good, you know, go through your progressions, boom, um, kind of stuff. The reality though, is that they don't have that. Right. And that doesn't change my opinion that Brennan would be fine. Uh, I just does. It does open the question, which is if Thompson's a little bit more dynamic and if they can run something more similar to what they ran last year, um, can his, can his dynamic, uh, you know, elements, right? Can that kind of help you to counteract what you lost at receiver? So, for example, we know Jana is going to be a ball hawk. I mean, he's 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 going to get so many catches, right? But he's also not going to have the other dudes, right, to take the to take the attention off of him. And I think that that's important. So they're going to need, you know, the the, the slack guys, Kelly Kemp. They're going to need uh, Wicks or somebody else outside. They're going to need the tight end. Um, Mish seems to be the the most likely dude there. Rawlins, of course, enrolled early. Um, would have really benefited, I think, from spring ball and probably could have been a, uh, an early contributor. Now it's probably TBD. My point being, like, when you think about what Virginia needs at that position, in the past they needed a guy who, who basically could go out and do it. And even with the receiver options they had last year, they still needed Perkins to basically go out and do Bryce Perkins stuff. Did they need him to do that because he fit the offense well, but not necessarily as well as maybe these two dudes? I think that's up for debate. I think that that's, you know, you look at his skill set, you know, there's a reason when you have a guy that shifty, you're not running a lot of read option. I don't think that that's by accident, right? Um, I think Armstrong and Thompson both can run a lot of that stuff. Um, And I think that once you're able to capitalize on that, um, your offense kind of can change. The, the question mark of all this beyond, you know, who fits it best and da-da-da is the running game to me, right? Even with Perkins, they could not establish anything on the ground. And they have to do that this year regardless of who their quarterback is. Even if it is Thompson. Even if you're talking about, you know, he's, he's he hits a hole quick and da-da-da-da. Like, they're going to have to run the football. They're going to have to be able to run the ball. And so if they can't, um, you, you have to have a very different conversation. I think we have to assume that there is some improvement in that area, that the offensive line at this point 
in the um, in the building of the program, so to speak, is there. Ferber, what's the right answer? What as you as you look at it, what what would you say the offense should be with one versus the other? Yeah, I mean, I think that you hit on some really interesting things that I didn't really talk about in the piece, but I definitely thought it. Um, the I think what you said about Armstrong, like the the short throws to Dubois, Reed, all those guys, that is a good point. Like, what you have a receiver is going to look a little different. You're going to be relying on different guys, not just different people, but like different types of players. Like Billy Kemp is probably going to be a much bigger part of the offense, I would think. Um, I think he ended up with like almost 40 catches, but a lot of those were in the back half of the year. So I think that's promising. And then you have Tavares Kelly and um, Henry, the transfer, RJ Henry. Um, I think, I actually think he might end up being pretty decent. Um, we'll get there, you know, down the road when we get to receivers, but, and then obviously Jana will be your number one, but I think Thompson's ability to, I think he has a deep ball that Perkins doesn't have. Um, and I think you could maybe access that he has. I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily like the most accurate quarterback in the world, but it's a small sample size from a few years ago. So it's hard to say, um, I think you hit on it. I think if Thompson's the starter, you you use him as a runner a lot. Um, I mean, look at what he did at Mississippi State in the two games that he started in the Mullen. Or he didn't start the Egg Bowl, but he played the, almost the entire game. Those two games, that one in the bowl game, in the Mullen offense. I think he ran 26 times in the Egg Bowl and 27 times in the bowl game. Um, over 100 yards both times. Um, I think he had like four touchdowns between those two games and then two more in his next start, which was his last start there. Um, so I think you would use him as a runner a lot. And honestly, a lot of the running concepts you saw in the Mullen offense when he was running the ball were pretty similar to what the stuff we broke down earlier in the week, like QB power, delayed draw, like a lot of stuff like that. So I think you would be able to kind of plug him in and use him the way that Perkins was used. I think Armstrong, I mean, I really like his decisiveness at the line of scrimmage in the passing game. Um, he makes a read and gets it out quick, but part of that is the offense. Like um, somebody mentioned in the in the comments on the thread about Thompson that it seems like he holds the ball. Um, and that's true. Like I noticed that he does. I think part of that was, one, he knew his offensive line was pretty good, and UVA's was up and down at best um last year and also uva's offense is very like designed a lot of pre-stat motion a lot of quick throws a lot of short throws um i think that's going to be what the offense is going to look like no matter who the quarterback is with more deep throws mixed in if the quarterback is proficient in those areas uva also i mean like joe reed's pretty fast um dubois is a possession guy Jana is kind of a possession guy um UVA didn't try to take the top off the defense very often. Um, I'm not saying those guys weren't like pretty decent at doing that, but they don't have a guy like, you know, earlier today we were talking about like North Carolina's receivers. Like they have two guys that can do that. Um, UVA doesn't, I mean, like unless you're talking about like the, some of the smaller guys, they don't have a lot of guys that can do that. Maybe Wicks can and we'll see. Um, but I think the offense will look pretty similar to what you saw scheme wise last year. It's just uh, how much QB run you see versus short pass. I think um, with Armstrong, you're going to see a pretty good balance of pass to run. If it's Thompson, I think you're going to see like a lot of QB runs. I mean, if you go back and look at what Taysom Hill was doing, he was running the ball like a lot. <laughs> so, um, and I think Armstrong would run the ball, you know, double digit times a game for sure. 
but I don't. I think his uh, his best strength is probably like quick throws around the line of scrimmage. From what I could see, anyway, from from his limited game action. Whereas Thompson, I think his best strength is just design QB run. I know we got um, Brian had a question, um, and for the life of me, I can't find it. So I'm going to trust one of you guys to to relay it to me. Um, but it basically amounted to, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, the idea of 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 a nice offense and at this point, Ferber, do you remember the act the the specific question or how how will we, how should we frame that part of the discussion? I'm pulling it up right now. Um, um just just vamp. <laughs> okay, Stall. I got it. Stall. Okay, good. He said, uh, after doing analysis, how has your Anai, or view of Anai and his staff changed? What was your opinion on the offensive playbook before you went through it, and what changed, what did? Which All is right, a good before, question. Before you actually answer, Dave, and I, I, I want to talk about this. So, Dave, you correct me if I'm wrong, but you go back and you watch these games pretty often. Um, yes. I, I, is it fair to say that you are you have never been a huge like Anai basher, but you haven't necessarily been a huge Anai defender? Is that is that fair to say? I would say I, I probably lean I lean more defender than basher. Um, about the offense as a whole, most of my bashing was what they did when they got in the red zone because it seemed they went away from some concepts that should still work there. But, yeah, I mean, I thought people people watch the ball too much. If you watch the ball a lot watching Virginia offense, you missed a lot. And I think that's where an eye – and I'm sure Justin saw it too. Like, I, I know Justin saw it. Like, you, there's concepts that you don't notice happening on backside of plays that come into effect a series or two later. Like, he does a lot of – a lot of pre-snap motion, um, a lot of different alignments, and a lot of that is data collection. You're trying to see what the defense does to it, you know, does against it, uh, how they react to it, and then you go back to that later when you know if you know if you set up a certain way and you run a certain route and it's a bad you know and it doesn't do anything, you know how the defense reacts to it. You can use that negative play to be, you know, they're going to react the same way in that formation and set and situation later in the game so i think he does a really good job of that i think you've got uh, i think you've got, got to know a little bit about football to appreciate it but i do think there's some you know there's some stuff they could have done better in the red zone but yeah i mean i can see i can see why people don't understand his offense because it you know at times times it looks like they're doing a lot to throw it you know throw a flare pass but i think as you watch the game that flare pass leads to something else I will say it like this. I, I've i always thought, sitting in the press box, that if I can tell you the next play, that that's a bad thing. <laughs> because if I can do that, then defensive coordinators can tell you, right? What I, what I think I am coming to terms or the position I believe I'm finding myself having or holding, rather, basically this is all Ferber's fault, is in a way that doesn't matter as much, right? Like... A lot of what Anai does seems to me, in 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 the in a more thorough analysis than just me being a stooge who sits there and watches, right? But in a thorough analysis, seems to be methodical. Seems to be um, it, it it plays to his potential strengths, right? The idea that like they run a lot of the same stuff out of different formations, so the defense can't really tell where it's going to come from just the, just the tight end stuff, right? Just the idea of like the way to utilize it. Now I'm not saying that Virginia has like unearthed any, like, you know, super secret, um, 
formula, right? Like I understand that like a lot of teams do a lot of this stuff. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that like, you know, they have, they have their own special wheel. Right. Um, but I do think that like what I've seen through, um, film room and what I'm appreciating more is sort of the, um, the way that, that Virginia almost uses its tendencies as, uh, as a feature and not a bug. Right. Um, now granted there have definitely been times where I've been frustrated cause I'm sitting in the press box and I'm like, you know, Oh, they just got a big game. They're going to do X and they inevitably do X. Um, but I, I but I also think, and this, and listen, I'm going to say a thing and I don't want your email. I don't, you don't at me on Twitter. Don't, don't come at me. I'm just going to say it cause I do believe it. Bryce Perkins was a, was a generational sort of talent. And in some ways I don't know if he was the right fit for this offense. Right. And that's not to say that he wasn't good. He was. That's not to say he he wasn't incredible to watch. He was. I just think that there are other aspects to his skill set that had he had he been a slightly different quarterback, um, Virginia's entire offense could have been more than just him having to go create. Um, I don't. I, I personally don't think that that's like an earth shattering um, position to take. But you know, I guess we'll see. the The reason I point that out is because as I look at one, what Virginia wants to do offensively, the sort of concepts and the way things fit together. Realistically, like they really want somebody more like Armstrong, more like Taysom Hill. And and Thompson kind of feels to me like some he, he feels like a lamppost somewhere between Perkins and and Armstrong to me. And that's why I'm so sure that they're in a really good spot. Um Ferber, what do you think? Do you as you've done your analysis and as you've watched literally <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of plays charted so many of them how, wh- how has your opinion of of an eye changed and and sort of where are you uh, on this issue I mean I would say at the micro level my opinion has changed like there are things that I appreciate that he does that I didn't notice in real time and, and like I Dave I go back and watch the games too but they're not always available in full game form. Like it's just, it, this was a much cleaner rewatch where you could actually like stop a game, go back, rewatch a play three, four times and kind of figure out what's going on. Um, I would say like, if you're looking at my overall view of a it would be this. Um, I think that he is an above average offensive coordinator, which you need at the power five level. Um, I do not think he's an elite offensive coordinator. Um, I think his offenses bear that out. Um, His offenses are usually pretty good, but not great. Um, At BYU, there were some really good offenses in there. But again, I mean, you talk about Bryce Perkins being a generational type player. Taysom Hill, especially at BYU, where you're not like playing ACC level competition all the time, is ridiculously generational because that dude is like... I mean, yeah, his style is like Brandon Armstrong, but he runs a 4-4. Like, it's ridiculous. And he has like a, probably a bigger arm. Um, it's probably close. So I think that what you said about Perkins having to bail them, I mean, you notice that. Like, you go back and watch the games, you're like, man, if he hadn't done this or that, they would have been in a different spot in this game. Um, at the same time, I do think that Perkins had limitations as a passer. Um and I think that they did their best to play to what he did well. Um, with Banker, he had limitations as well, and they tried to play with things he did well. Think about how many more deep balls he threw. 
I mean, you could I could pull up the PFF numbers and tell you, um, but he threw a lot more deep balls than Perkins did because he's better at it. Um, he has a bigger arm. He's more accurate down the field. So when they had Andre Lavroni and, and Alameda Zacchaeus, they were throwing a lot of deep balls. Um, and Donnie Dowling. Um, Perkins, good on the move, can make things happen. Um, like when things get off schedule, like out of the pocket, uh, can keep a play alive. Receivers, like good receivers can come back to the ball. Um, he also was pretty good around the line of scrimmage. Uh, pretty good jump ball thrower. So they threw a lot of stuff like that. Um, Thompson and, and Armstrong have their own skill set. So I'm interested to see how they play to this. Here's one thing I will say about Anai, though. So, so far since he's been at UVA, his quarterbacks have been Bankert, Perkins, and then we'll see what they have this year. Bankert had thrown eight, he had completed eight passes in his career before he came to UVA. Eight, right? Eight for 10, I believe he was, for 58 yards. So he was not a complete finished product. Perkins had done nothing at Arizona State because of injury and then went to Juco and was fine as a passer. Um, a pretty, a really good runner, definitely a good enough athlete to play in the ACC. Um, and he excelled. Bankert, I just mentioned, I forgot to mention, like at UVA, he set the single season passing record. So, I mean, he definitely lived up to at least some of what was expected of him. So you think about Armstrong, a guy they recruited that we haven't seen much of yet, that guy that they like. Uh, the first guy that they really like as a fret, like as a guy they recruited to come in and play. And then you have Thompson, who, to be quite honest with you, has limitations. And um, like I said, you know, these transfers is always something. But he he had way more productivity and playing time than those other two guys at the college level. So that's kind of what makes me interested to see what he could do with, at UVA, where they do a pretty good job of like tailoring what they want to do to the quarterback. Um I would say my overall view on Anai from from watching this is that he does a lot of good things before the snap, a lot of confusing looks, packages, different things, personnel, but there are obvious flaws. Like, they can't run the ball four years in. Like, I mean, they still can't figure it out, besides the quarterback. At BYU, they had a top 10 rushing offense. So, like, something's not computing. I don't know what it is, but it's just not quite where it needs to be yet. The red zone was really bad two years ago, and then last year it got better as it went along. Um, and last year, I mean, to be quite honest with you, it took half the season for them to figure it out. And eventually when they did, the offense really got better. Um, and I think a lot of that was just like relying on, you know, getting the ball out, doing different things with Perkins, um, making Terrell Jana a bigger part of the offense, or like, you know, getting him more involved. So I, I think that I'm, I'm optimistic about Anai going forward. Um, and I'm going to highlight a lot of the positive things he did, did in these segments that we're doing. But at the same time, I can't sit here and say, like, none of that bad stuff happened. Or, like, he's a, a, an elite offensive coordinator. Because while UVA's offense last year was better than most UVA offenses that some of us have ever seen, right, they, they were still, like, middle of the road in a lot of categories, like if you look at how they did, you know, yards per game and different things like that. Like they were, they were right in the middle of of the country. Um, they had a pretty average offense as far as like points per game and stuff like that. So there is still room to grow. Um, and and maybe with whoever the quarterback is this year, they finally reach whatever they're looking for there, and and that opens up the running game a little bit more. But um, overall, I mean, I feel better about Anai than I do about his predecessors for sure. Um, he, he's, 
he's solid. That's that's pretty much the short answer. I want to I want to read something from um, that I think is very is extremely interesting in 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 light of the conversation. This is from uh, when we got to talk to Anai and um, Nick Howell and Ricky Brumfeld uh, this spring. The question was about you know Brennan not having. Um, spring ball and uh, Anai makes the point that basically, listen, we haven't had a ball um, since the bowl game. You really can't develop quarterbacks, you know, um, unless you're in some sort of 11 on 11 seven setting. And he says, you know, that essentially this is a, that's a challenge that Brennan Armstrong has not started his, but then he says, Brennan has not started his uh, development in January. Brennan came early. So he's been in the program. He's a program vet. And again, if we can deliver on what we claim to be, which is a developmental program, then that applies to the quarterback. Um, and he said, I, I just take a look at the huge questions when Kurt Benkert came in the program. What are we going to do? Can we manage the position? He developed. The same question was asked of Bryce Perkins. So we've not named a starting quarterback. Obviously, Brennan's a prime candidate. Whoever that quarterback will be when we play Georgia, I'm confident that he will be a player that represents the university, and I think our fans will really look forward to breaking in this new group. The developmental program is interesting because, to Ferber's point, like they figured it out right with Benkert and, and clearly Perkins. Um, here they have a guy who they selected, as Bronco likes to say, um, and they have another guy who clearly has a skill set. So there's no there's no real reason to think, right, that they that they will stop unless you're thinking that essentially with just those two dudes, they caught lightning in a bottle and now that, you know, they're never going to be able to do it again. Um, beyond that, to me, uh, as I look at the roster, you can clearly tell that they have been building towards at least. All right. Let me rephrase. For me, it seems like they have been building towards having a guy like Armstrong. I don't think that that substantially changes if they if they have Thompson, and I think that's part of why I'm pretty optimistic about sort of where this thing will go. Um, the bigger question mark, of course, is the running game, and I think Armstrong feels to me like a guy who is probably more maybe dependable, but maybe not necessarily as dynamic because. You know, he's not he's by no means slow. He's no by no means unathletic. That's not what this is. It's just Thompson has a little bit more uh, in that tank. Right. Like, I think that's 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 just re- realistic. He's kind so, of like a long strider. Yeah. Um, like yeah. he takes it like the he moves down the field like he doesn't look like he's running extremely fast, but he takes up ground like really quick. If that right. Makes exactly. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. I would. Agree and I would that. say Armstrong's best ability as a runner is like craftiness, which is kind of what you saw from Perkins. Like. On the scrambles, like he knows when to take off, and then when he gets going, he kind of like maximizes what's there. That's what I would say. So for me, I don't know, man. I I feel like in some ways, when you can't go wrong, um, the only, <laughs> I well, let me rephrase. You can't you can't go wrong. It's it's when you try to play too many quarterbacks, and that's kind of the way I want to in this discussion tonight. So there was a, another question on the board, and I, my apologies for not remembering who asked. But it was a good point. Like, all right, if Thompson's a guy, could you use Armstrong? Because um, we've been talking about, like, even if Armstrong's a guy, they're probably going to have some packages for Thompson. We've seen this staff has a – they like to use dudes in random situations. They did some of that with Brennan last year. Though it did seem once he got hurt that the offense changed, and then once he was back, the offense changed back. So I wonder if they'll be as interested in throwing the backup quarterback in a situation where there's some risk this year. But I digress. Um, but the idea of, like, okay, if Thompson's your QB – could you use Armstrong in other ways? Uh, and what would those ways be? I personally have never been a big fan of the gadget stuff. Like I like the idea of having a guy who could play multiple positions, who can also throw a little bit, but I don't know if I want that guy to be my backup quarterback. Um, I think that's like 
it's like almost like fan fiction in a way, right? Like this idea like, oh, your, your backup quarterback is going to come in. He's going to be your H-back. Like, I mean, I guess it works for Taysom Hill in some ways. But um, do you, Dave, let's go back to you. If Thompson's a guy, do you mm-hmm. think that there's a place for Armstrong to be in other packages? Or would you rather Virginia just go with one dude and just let it roll? I mean, if Thompson comes in and beats out Armstrong, I'm going to assume Thompson is really, really, really good. Um, even better Agreed. than we think he is. So in that in that situation, I don't know that you'd pull him out for Armstrong to run because I'm assuming the one thing he'll definitely have a heads up on is like speed and stuff. Um, so I would say no, unless it's what you're talking about, like the H back position. I would I don't I don't know what the numbers are. I'll, I'll let Justin tabulate it during his viewing parties. Um, how many times a game Virginia like play actions like a jet sweep to the H back? There's no reason that once a game can't be a quarterback, just so if you ever want to use it later on, you know, to you actually mean like it to a, like, it a, works. like a Billy Kemp sort of situation? Yeah, you just like every now and then you run. A, I mean, they ran to be that they ran guy. like 10 of those a game. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 you know, it doesn't hurt for once or twice a game that to be a quarterback who is not going to get it just just as you know, just to put it on film. Um, but no, it now vice versa. Like I could see you using using Thompson. Um and, and short, and especially like short yarded situations, but just because he's so like, man, you know, how Perkins had that knack to always get the extra yard or two. And I think I've seen an Armstrong, but Thompson's really, really got that. Um, I, I don't think the staff wants to go back and forth with quarterbacks. I don't think they want to use two quarterbacks on the field as more than just an occasional gimmick. So I'll say probably not, um, especially if Thompson's a quarterback. But before you, I wanted to make one last point just to mess it up. I, I don't want to lose it. When we're talking about a nine in the offense. I, I think, I mean, I, I, I agree with a lot of what Justin said. I think it's, if you look at this team as a whole, this whole, de- using that developmental angle a nine brought up, the one position on this team that hasn't developed, like that struggled year after year has been the offensive line. True. Um, so it's hard to, it's hard to really, to me, like I, I'd like to see an eye with a good offensive line, and I think if you look at the numbers and you know if they don't get snake bit, this should be the year Virginia does it. You know their offensive line is a maybe not a dominant force, but a plus, not a minus. Um, if you go back and watch like the Notre Dame game and some of the other stuff, like it didn't matter who the offensive coordinator was in that game. Uh, <laughs> so like you've got you know in that second half especially. You got to have a better offensive line. So, I mean, I think if that doesn't get better, it's not necessarily just a nigh that needs to get some heat. It's you know, like Two J and stuff, and he's, you know, they're recruiting. You're recruiting a different kind of kid to UVA than you were at BYU, where where the two year Mormon mission really feeds into making a strong offensive line. Um, you don't necessarily get that at Virginia, you know, Gentry notwithstanding. Um, so also, yeah, the defensive lines are just a lot better. To be quite honest with you, like yeah. And they, they are, um, yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like the staff has done a really good job of developing defensive lines at Virginia, not offensive lines at Virginia. So, like, that's something I think Anai deserves to have a good offensive line in place before you totally judge him. Um, but I, I mean, I see the criticism, no doubt. Sorry, All right, Ferber. Sorry to interrupt leave. your quarterback. No, question. you're good. You're good. No, no, Ferber. Let me toss it back to you, and you can finish this out for the evening. Um, what? What do you think needs to change 
right? As as in at least in terms of quarterback usage, in terms of um, what you've seen so far, what what needs to change? Yeah, I think the offensive line kind of opens things up. I think one of the things when I was looking at the two quarterbacks that kind of sucked because you don't get a complete picture. Because I, I, for some reason, I thought Armstrong played a lot more than he had. <laughs> I went back and like watched every play he had, and there weren't that many of them. Um, you know, for him, he wasn't in a lot of like high leverage situations, so it was hard to evaluate like his ability to like move the chains when you're actually up against it and not just kind of like out there killing time. Thompson at Mississippi State played in a lot of those situations, but he had like I would say much better blocking. So. A lot of these QB runs, he was doing really well, but they were blocked well. Um, he had a lot of time to throw. So that, you know, you don't get to, you can't just like put him in front of the UVA offensive line and, and know that's what's going to happen. So um, I think the blocking helps. I think the biggest thing that changed last year in the second half is that they kind of threw caution to the wind more and were more risky. You know, it was just like the first half of the year is just dink and dunk, dink and dunk, dink and dunk. And defenses eventually can just play bend but don't break. And if your offensive line gives up a sack and you get, you know, behind the chains, you're not going to be able to dink and dunk your way back. Um, and then when you get to the red zone, if you're not scoring touchdowns after all of that, like two yards, five yards, three yards at a time, then you just burn up a bunch of time and didn't score any points. So I think at the end of the year, you know, you started to see them hit some bigger plays. Perkins had a bunch of long runs in the second half of the season. Um, they had a bunch more big pass plays down the field. Um, I would like to see them, whoever the quarterback is, play a little bit more aggressive in the passing game. Um, and obviously I know that the receiver personnel is different, but it just felt like I think that's where UVA's offense excels and also is like a drawback. It's like they excel at four-yard plays. It's like, you know, uh, Jana comes in motion and sits right there. And it's like the pass is easy. It's easy for the quarterback. It's easy for the blockers. It's an easy catch for Jana. If everything works right, the trains are on time, you're going to get four yards. You do that enough, you're going to get down the field. Or you're going to eventually turn those four-yard plays into 12-yard plays. Um, And with Perkins being able to run, even better. But I would like to see them hit some 15, 20, 30-yard plays more. And they weren't doing that in the first half of the year. We wrote that big piece about what was missing with the offense. They didn't have any big plays. So, I mean, I think you have to be able to find ways to stretch the field. And even if it's not throwing the ball 50 yards in the air for a touchdown, like you see other teams do, find ways to get guys in space making plays. Leverage your fastest players. Um, Don't just play this like rhythm offense where it's like, I know they want to play complimentary football where it's like, keep the ball. Um, but you, if you're not eventually like if the bend, but don't break, like eventually they're going to be able to stop you. Um, I think you have to be able to at least mix in some big plays, stretch the defense out a little bit, make them chase you. Um, and we saw Perkins do that on his own. So somebody, one of these two guys is going to have to do it on their own whatever that means, whether it means throwing the ball deep down the field, um, or running, whatever it is. I think you're going to need to see more balance between the rhythm, quick throws, keep the ball, keep the chains moving offense, and some explosiveness. Because if you lack explosiveness altogether, eventually it's going to cost you. And it did in some games. 
It's fascinating to me that we can have an hour-long discussion on this in June, but we certainly just did. Uh, we will be rolling out more film room stuff um, <laughs> as soon as Ferber can put all the gifts together. I want to just let y'all know that it is a crap ton of work, and I definitely don't pay this dude that much money. So I appreciate it. I want to say it publicly again because I love I love everything you did with this whole thing, and uh, I'm excited to read some defense stuff uh, coming soon. Uh, if you're somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. And if you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs. And if you feel so inclined, uh, give us a rating or review. Helps to get us out in front of more people, and we appreciate that. Now, if you're somebody who's found the pod, has not given us a look at, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Let's see. I don't know if you know this after an hour-long conversation about it, but we have a film room uh, series that we're running that Ferber's doing, which is amazing. Um, la- latest two pieces on breaking down the quarterback runs, as well as uh, Thompson versus Armstrong, and or, or Armstrong versus Thompson, however you want to phrase that. Um, let's see. Um, I caught up with, uh, on the basketball front, I caught up with four-star um, 2022 um, wing um, Tyler Nickel to talk about kind of the opening of the contact portion of his recruitment and what that was like, and he had a um, pretty long conversation with Tony Bennett later in the week, so we, we've got that on the site. Um, I also talked to uh, Wes Weeks to talk about the Stanford offer that he picked up, who he's been recruiting for UVA um, since having committed in uh, early May. Um, I talked to um, James Jackson, um, or excuse me, Robert Jackson. I also did talk to James Jackson. I just haven't run that one yet. Uh, the defensive end who cut his list, I believe, uh, just the other day, um, talked about kind of in his process and visits and things like that. Um, so there's plenty of stuff and certainly a lot of conversation on the message board. So give us a look at CavsCorner.com. Again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferberging graciously of their time, as always. I very much appreciate all that you guys do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.